uh, of this series called Awaken the Adventure, but I hope it's not the end of the season. Matter of fact, I hope it's the beginning of a new season for you. I hope that over the last three weeks that you have sort of decided, you know what, I'm not going to, I'm not going to stay kind of where I've been coming. I'm not going to live this year like I lived last year. I'm not going to continue where I've been because you will have the tendency, let me give you a big warning, you'll have the tendency to slip back into your comfort zone and to kind of do the things that you do. It, t- it takes time to break a pattern in your life. It takes time to start a new habit. That's why we pray for 21 days. It's because I want you in 21 days, hopefully, over the course of three weeks, you've made a habit out of daily seeking God and praying. And it, it, Just like it takes time to form a habit, it takes time to break a pattern and a habit in your life. I remember when uh, uh, several years ago I started working at a church and my senior pastor was a big golfer. Where are all my golfers at? Where are you at? Hold your hand up really high because we're starting a golf group. There you are. Good, both of you. Fantastic. That's going to be a good group. And I, I believe this or not, I'm not the most athletic. I know that's hard to see in this slim cut shirt, but I'm really not. And so I don't do a lot. I don't do a lot of golf playing, and I'm a little husky, whatever. Anyways, but I thought, you know, my senior pastor plays. I'm going to learn how to play golf. And so I went out with him playing golf, and I had no idea what I was doing. And the guys that I was with, that you know, I just said, hey, you're going to have to help me play. And you know, so I don't look dumb, and I don't know are these ladies' clubs. I don't know what I'm doing right now. I don't know. I know there's a ball, I know there's a holes down there, and the, you know the ideas we get down there. And so uh, my friends sort of helped me along the way, and I never got good, but I would play along, you know, and I would ride their beverage cart anyway. So uh, we, I would play, and then one day we went out with my senior pastor said, "Hey, Mitch, I want you to go." And, and there's a guy in our church who was a golf pro, he was a golfer in our church, and he said, oh, "We're going to go play with him." And I thought, "Man, this is going to be terrible." And, uh, the first, you know, the first hole, I sort of get up and I, and I go there and and and, and I swing and I notice the way he looks at me and I think, well, here it comes, you know, here comes the ridicule and he's going to laugh and you know how golfers do, Eric, you know how the, everybody just laugh about the way you do, but he, he really didn't, he really didn't. I was frustrated with with the product that I, you know, that I was getting. I was frustrated with the fact that you know the ball just went over here and sliced all the way to the, you know, the woods and didn't go anywhere. But he wasn't. He was more concerned about the pattern of my swing. He was more concerned with helping me that if, you, if you'll correct this pattern, then you'll get a different product. Listen close. There's some people here who are frustrated with the product of your life. You're frustrated with the outcome of your life when it's not the product that's the problem. It's the pattern of your life that's the problem. It's the thing that you continue to do. My, my, my problem was I had bad influences. I had other guys who didn't know how to play golf around me trying to teach me how to play golf. It wasn't my product. It's that I couldn't change my pattern by myself, everybody. I needed somebody to help me and identify the pattern that I was doing wrong. You understand what I'm trying to tell you? That you need somebody in your life who looks at you and says, Hey, what's, what's going on with this? Why do you swing this way? Like, what's happening? When you get in this area, what are the patterns that you're falling back into? In a couple of weeks, matter of fact, just under a month away are the Oscars. Anybody watch the Oscars? Where are all, where are all the women at that watch the Oscars? Men, don't raise your hand. I mean, you could, but we're going to laugh at you if you do. Uh, we're, uh, women, nobody watches the Oscars. I know you do. You're going to record it and talk on Facebook about it. It's, we're in that, and everybody's going to be on the red carpet, and we're going to watch, and E Entertainment's going to be there, and they're going to be talking, and J Lo's coming, and Justin Bieber's coming. And inevitably, what's that, what's that girl's name? The real skinny girl, Brandy, the Rancic, what's her first name? Juliana, there you go. She's going to be on the red carpet, and, and Ryan Seacrest, who's the new Dick Clark, and he's going to be there, and everybody's going to be at and Here's the question. When they walk down the red carpet, the first thing everybody asks is what? Who are you wearing? You don't watch it if you ask what are you wearing. And if you're a dude and you just answered that, see me afterwards. 
Who are you wearing? Not what are you wearing. Everybody knows what you're wearing. You're wearing some evening gown that some nice designer gave to you so you could say it on the red carpet and on TV and everybody could say their name. They're not asking where are you going or why are you wearing that or how are you wearing that. That's the question I usually want to ask is why and how are you wearing that. But they ask the question, who are you wearing? It was identified. Listen, they want to know who designed the patterns that are producing the dress, I, don't, I know it's a dress, I know it's an evening gown, I know it's a suit, I know it's a tux. I don't care about the product, I care about the designer of the pattern that you're wearing. Who are you wearing? Listen close. My question to you as we end this series is, who is the designer in your life? Like who's the, who's the one who's designing the patterns in your life that are producing the products of your life? Is it you? Is it the influences around you? Or is it God? Is it the one who created you for purpose? Like who, who, who is designing the patterns of your life? And if you're frustrated with the outcome of your life, the marriage that you have, the finances that you're in, the, the situation that you found yourself in financially or relationally, if you're frustrated with all of that, it could be not the product. It could be the patterns of your life. Let me help you with that. Matthew, if you have your Bibles, the seventh chapter. Matthew 7 says this, Beware of false prophets who come disguised as harmless sheep, but are really vicious wolves. Listen close. Underline this in your Bible. You can identify them. In other words, you can see them. There's a pattern they have. You can identify them by their fruit. That is, he said, let me tell you more what I mean by that, by the way that they act. You can identify them by the way that they act, not the way that they look, not the product, but the pattern. You can identify them by the way they act. Can you pick grapes from a thorn bush? Can you go in there and find figs and thistles? Like, can you, can you go through all of that? And it's almost a rhetorical question. That, like, no, you can't, you can't find all of those thorns to find inside of there that one grape. He said a good tree produces good fruit. And a bad tree produces bad fruit. He said there's just something about you. Most of the time when there's a fruit issue, there is a root issue. Shout amen to that. I told you I rhyme, it's a preacher's disease, I can't make it stop. There's just something that happens. Jesus said when you look at them, you'll realize, man, what I see right here, I know they're dressed up this way, I know there's something, you know, there's a product. He said, I don't, I don't care about that. I want you to listen to what's coming out of their mouth. I, I, I don't care about that. I don't care about how they say, well, I'm a Christian or this is what I do. And He said, no, 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 don't worry about that as much as look at what's coming out of their life. Amen, everybody? Like, not just what this says, but what my life says. What, what, what my life is saying to you. He said, I don't care if they look like, it doesn't matter to me, honestly, that they look like sheep or they come like sheep or they say one thing. He said, you can identify them by the way that they act in your life. I, I can't hear what you're saying because your life is too loud. I can't hear you say, well, I love God and He's the first in my life when I don't live that way. I can hear you say, well, I believe God can do anything when I don't live that way. It's hard to hear you say, who, who are you wearing? What's the thing that you have on? How are you dressing up? Because eventually it's going to come out. You're going to identify them, not by what they say, but by how their lives lived. And listen, you are going to be identified not just by what you say. Well, I believe God and God's got a plan for my life and I just trust God. It's one thing to say it. It's another thing to say, I'm where, this is who I am. It's, th 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 this is how I'm living my life. I live it out this way. Who are you wearing? Are you wearing somebody else's 
clothing? Are you wearing their greed or their lust or their pride? Is envy wearing it? What, what is the world designing for you? That, listen, the world will design a dress for you that's just too costly to destroy your marriage. It'll destroy your relationships, destroy your finances, your health, your addiction. There's just so much stuff. If you don't have the right designer designing what you're wearing, making sure that your life is lining up to what Jesus wants it to be. Matthew 16, 24, Jesus says to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple, underline that word in your Bible, whoever wants to be my disciple, not my attender of church, not my tither, not my dream team member, though all of those things are important. He said, whoever wants to follow me, be my disciple, he has to deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. There's something that God has for you. And if you want to be his disciple, you have to know Jesus is the designer. Jesus is the designer. Like he's the one I go to and say, okay, God, I'm not going to just say I believe. I'm just going to say you got a plan for my life. I want you to tell me what the plan is in my life. But the problem with the being a disciple, listen, is it takes discipline to be a disciple. We talked about this a little bit last week. Faith is the easy part. Obedience is where the challenge comes in. Because it takes discipline to be a disciple of Jesus. you got to decide, is my life going to, like, is something going to change in my life? It takes discipline to correct the wrong patterns of my life. You're going to have to say, okay, I'm going to line this up, like, so I don't live another year like I lived last year, so my marriage doesn't end up like where it was when I started this year, so our finances and my joy and my health and all of that doesn't end up where I am this year, so I can end this year differently i got to take discipline to correct this pattern. Proverbs says it this way. Learn, learn to appreciate, love, discipline. Because it is, this is a very spiritual word, stupid. To hate correction. I love the New Living Translation. It's stupid to hate correction. Let me give you, the, let me give you what stupid means in Hebrew. Literally, this, this word stupid right here. It literally means, it's the same word in Hebrew for a, a, a brutish cow. A heifer. Listen, the Bible said you, you act like a holy heifer. Come on, somebody. When you, when you despise, when you don't like, I didn't make that up. That is the actual Bible, everybody. That's why you got to read your Bible every day. You just never know. When you, when you don't love discipline, when you hate discipline, he said you're just acting like an old heifer. Don't look at your wife. You just are acting the wrong way when you hate correction. Designers create patterns, and patterns produce products. Listen close. Discipline in our life, it doesn't destroy us. You can't look at it that way. You can look at it defining us because patterns produce products. Write that down in your notes if you're taking notes. You know what I believe, that everybody who takes notes goes to heaven. Patterns produce products. If you learned it the wrong way, you'll live it the wrong way. Say amen to that. If you learned it the wrong way, you'll live it the wrong way. There's a lot of people that come to church having learned the wrong patterns. The wrong patterns in our marriages. You, I, I, I counseled a guy last night. I was on the phone for a while with a guy last night who talked about a pattern he had seen in a relationship and his family. And he was worried about it coming out in his relationship and, and, and his marriage. And we learn it the wrong way. And if you're not careful, if you don't discipline your life to break that pattern in your life, change that pattern in your life, then you'll end up producing the same thing over and over again because patterns produce products in your life. 
I am not concerned about what, what Malcolm Gladwell calls an outlier, a one-time event. When I look at the life of a believer and there's just one, you know, you look at their life and they're serving God, serving God, serving God, and there's just one thing they just go way off the left field and then they come right back. That's an outlier. Now, that doesn't concern me as much as a pastor as when I see trends and patterns, which means, man, I, they're, they're, they're just moved about two degrees to the left, which doesn't seem like much, but when you go two degrees to the left a long time over, you're way off course. There's a pattern that will produce a product in your life, and usually when people show up to church is when they don't like the product, not when they recognize the pattern. And my job to you over the last four weeks, honestly, one of my jobs as your pastor is to identify some patterns in your life and say, if you're not comfortable with the product of your life, we got to change the pattern. So how do we do that? How do we change the pattern in our life? How do, how, how, do we, how do we change what's going on? Here's the easiest answer. Listen, you got to consult the designer. you got to go back to the designer and go, okay, God, tell me what it is. God, if you're the designer of my life and I don't like the pattern here, I don't like where I'm headed, I don't like what's going on, I need you to change the pattern of my life. Psalms 139 says it this way, You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. I love this passage. This is one of my favorite passages in all of the Bible. That God has a book about you. And the book is already written about you. He said, you knew me and every day of my life today was recorded in His book about you before you ever lived that day. You're not alone, everybody. Everything's not an accident in your life. God knows exactly where you are, exactly what you're living through, exactly what's going on in your life. And every moment, listen close, underline this in your Bible, every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. Growing up, my grandmother, my, my dad's mom, she's... She, she passed away uh, last year uh, after battling Alzheimer's. Just a horrific disease. And, but all of my life growing up, my grandmother sewed. Anybody, your, your grandmama, or maybe you like to sew. You know what I'm talking about? And, and growing up, I can, I can see it in my mind's eye. She would go to the kitchen table all of our life. We were raised in Arkansas in the deep south, so everything happened around the table. You know what I'm saying? Our whole lives were about the table and food. And, and so my grandmother would go to the kitchen table this big, big kitchen table, and she would lay out this. She would go. I never knew where they came from, but there, there were some. I, I can see it in my eye. They were simplicity patterns. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Like that. And she would go to she would go to Walmart and buy these patterns. This is a true story. And I could see these scissors like this big, like they were the biggest thing. They were like they were like hedge clippers. And she and she would cut out this pattern, and then I would see her roll out these bolts of fabric, and she would. She would cut out that pattern, and she would sew, and she sewed for everybody, and she made wedding dresses for everybody in our area, everybody in our town, everybody knew my grandma, that's where they went to to get, you know, custom gowns and dresses and all that, but she would lay that pattern out all across the kitchen table. Listen to me, God said, every moment of your life has already been laid out in front of me. Everything's out that way. You, you don't, Stop trying to find yourself. Look at my eyes, 20, 30, 40-year-old something. Quit trying to find yourself. You can't find yourself. You didn't design yourself. you got to go back to the designer and say, tell me what the pattern is here. Shout amen to that, everybody. I get so crazy when I meet with people who say, Pastor, I'm just divorcing after 20 years because I just need to find myself. No, honey, you need to find your husband and ask him to move home. 
And y'all need to work on this. I got to go back to the designer and go, God, what can I do? How can this work? God, fix me. God, what's wrong with me? God, I got to consult the pattern to find out what to do here. And Jesus lived this way. Let me give you two things. I'm going to give you some practical things today that Jesus did as we end this thing. How do you find the pattern of your life? How do you go back and go, okay, God, you're the designer. God, this is your idea. God, you knew me before I knew me. God, you laid out my plans in front of you and you saw my whole life. How do you do that? Here's the first thing that Jesus would do. Write this down if you're taking notes. He prayed. The first thing that he did, if you want to change the pattern, you have to learn how to pray. you got to learn how to ask God for direction, how to talk to God about every area of your life. Prayer is not our last resort. I'm going to tell you again, it is our first response. i got to go to God. i got to go to God. 1 Thessalonians says to pray without ceasing. Anybody ever read that? To pray without ceasing. How do you do that? How, how do you pray without ceasing? I always, like growing up, I would wonder, like, are you, are you like sitting in the corner and you're just, you know, you're all alone, just kind of, you know, muttering to yourself? Or like you're, you're in line trying to order a hamburger and you're like, hang on just a second. Yes, Holy Spirit? Yes, okay. All right. Uh, geez. And uh, you don't, like, like, how do you, what does it look like to pray without ceasing? Where, where is it at? Where's all of, is God constantly talking to me? Does it make it weird? Listen, no, no, no. What that, what that verse means is I want you to have a lifestyle of prayer. I want you to pray first. Listen, let me give you what Jesus did. Jesus prayed when he was alone. Jesus prayed when he was in public. He prayed before meals. He prayed before important decisions. He prayed before healing the sick. He prayed after healing the sick. He prayed to do the Father's will. He taught on the importance of prayer. He included the Lord's prayer in the Bible. He prayed all night. He prayed on the mountain. He prayed alone. He prayed before choosing 12 disciples. Everything in your life deserves prayer first. It deserves for you to go to God and go, God, I don't like this. I don't want to go the wrong direction. Pray first. Prayer should be our first priority and not our not our, not our response afterwards. Not a, well, I've already messed this up. Listen, I can't overstate the importance of prayer in this church. Everything depends on our connection with God. Everything depends on our connection with God in prayer. City Hills must be built on prayer. We cannot, we will not, we, will, we can have great systems, we can have a great load-in team, we can have an amazing kids ministry, but nothing will prosper, nothing will amount to this church. We will not be anything unless we are a praying church. Shout amen to that everybody. I want this church to be a powerhouse that touches heaven and shakes the earth. I want you to have a prayer life that is vibrant and is moving things in your life. Not as a last resort, but as a first priority in your life. I I, I want this church to be a place where prayer is taught and where it's caught. I I, I want it to be a place where I teach you how and where you just get around it. And and you go, I I think I can try to... I don't want want people to say, I love love this church. This is the coolest church. I, I, I I don't care if you think, man, this is the, they have church in a movie theater. That's the weirdest thing in the world. You know, you're listen, you're a tad bit crazy. You came to church today in a movie theater. That makes you a little bit crazy and complicit with the craziness that we're doing right now. 
But I don't care that you're in a movie theater or that you think it's cool. I'd love if you did. I want you to like the worship and the preaching and the kids and the groups. I want you to love all of that. But what I really want people to say about this church is when I got there, I was disconnected from God. I came to church, but I didn't have a relationship. But since I've been there, I've fallen in love with Jesus. I now know Him. I know Him intimately. I know how to talk to Him. He's changed my life. He's my best friend. I'm in a relationship with Him. Listen, I want, you to, I want you to have prayer at the foundation of your... It's the most ridiculous thing in the world to say. All we can do is pray. Well, all we can do is pray now. Everything's... everything. No, no, no. It's not all we can do. Listen, prayer is the most powerful weapon in the arsenal of a believer. It's the most powerful thing that you have. That's why Daniel can go to the lion's den. You know that story. He goes into the lion's den. Daniel isn't worried. He doesn't freak out. He doesn't, it, listen, it doesn't, what do we do? How are we going to do this? Why God? He didn't ask any of that stuff. He changed the nation and he did it because he had a prayer life before he got in the lion's den. The problem with most of us is we wait till we're facing hungry lions and we look like a T-bone steak before we go to God. We, we wait till, till the lions are surrounding us and then we get on Facebook all cryptic like. I know y'all. I'm friends with some of y'all. And you say, I can't really go into it right now, but just pray. And 80, 11 people go, girl, I've been there. I know. You ain't been. You don't even know what we're praying for. Girl, I'm with you right now. What I need to do. I took my earrings out. You just said, girl, I'm, I'm with you. <laughs> Guys, right now, I, 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 it's... it's <laughs> Oh, God, I'm going to get done preaching and I'm going to end up making fun. It's a, it's a curse of our generation that we use social media as a counselor. We get on Facebook and say, guys, here, I want, what do y'all think about this? Guys, what do y'all think I should do in this? Guys, here's where I'm at right now. My husband's an idiot. My kids are wild. I hate them. I hate him. Honestly, I'm just kind of sitting. It's 2 o'clock in the morning. I can't really figure out anything to do. I've watched everything on Netflix. I just thought I'd go to Facebook because all of you seem so wise at 2 in the morning. The wisest people I know are on Facebook at 2 o'clock in the morning. And I thought I would ask you about my problems. Look at my eyes. That's not your counselor. Those people don't have the answers. you got to go to God first. Daniel had a prayer life before he had a problem in his life. You have to have a prayer life. you got to go to God first. It's our first priority. Too many of us have a problem and then we have a prayer life. But prayer should be our first priority, not our last resort. Shout amen to that, everybody. A lifestyle of prayer. A lifestyle of prayer keeps you yielded to God's word. It keeps you yielded so that when you come to church and you hear the word of God, it doesn't, doesn't punch you in the face. It doesn't go, oh my gosh, whoa, ow, ow. You walk out all bruised up because I'm already yielded to it. I already understand it. But it's easy to get caught up. Listen, it's easy to get caught up praying the wrong way. And here's what we say. We said, Lord, we said, we go to God. We say, Lord, I want what you want. God, I just want whatever you want. And people that pray that, I've told you that, they hold their hands like this. God, I, and they say just a lot. God, I just, I just want whatever you just want right now, just in my life. God, I just want what you want. Here's what we really mean by that. We say, God, I want you to want what I want so that I can get what I want. That's what we really mean. When we say, Lord, I just want what you want, what we really mean is, God, I need you to want what I want so that I can get what I want. And when you don't want what I want and I don't get what I want, I want to leave. And I want to quit praying. And I'm not coming back. 
and this doesn't work anywhere. God, give me some options so that I can see if it fits in my schedule. <laughs> you ever ask God for multiple choice? Come on, I know some of you have. I've prayed with some of you. God, it'd be nice if you gave me this or this. God, listen, I'd like tall, dark, and handsome, but I'll take tall and dark. Come on, somebody. None of y'all want short, but that's all right. Don't worry about it. Your boy's taken care of. God, here's my multiple choice. Give me some options, God. I'm interested in your opinion, not your omnipotence. No, 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 that's not. Listen, God's will is not an option. God's will is a lifestyle. Peace and power and strength and hope in your life. Direction in your life comes from going to God and saying, Help me change this pattern in my life. Through prayer, God will give you the second thing that I think will help you find direction and go on this great adventure. We're almost done. Write this down. It's easy to overlook. A lot of people overlook this in their life and they think, man, I'm praying, I'm attending, I don't know. Tell me what else I'm missing right here. But I really believe this is the one thing that will help direct you and guide you. And it's simple. And you're going to think, man, this is all you ever preach about. But it really is, it really is so vitally important. And that's this if you're taking notes. You've got to have vision in your life. You've got to pray. Jesus prayed first and he had vision in his life. Vision is one of the primary ways that God directs your life. you got to get the big picture of your life and the vision of your life. Jesus constantly spoke in vision. He was moved with vision. John the Baptist, his cousin, has died a horrific death. And yet he, tra- he, he lets vision drives him forward. Vision just keeps him moving on. Even when his best friend and John, the ba- his first cousin, dies, vision keeps him moving forward because vision will motivate you, everybody. Jesus, Jesus has vision before his death. He tells his disciples, don't, go, don't worry right now. Don't, don't leave right now. I'm going away, but I'm preparing a place for you. Listen, vision will give you pain. It'll give the pain of your life purpose. It'll give the hardest times of your life. You'll have purpose inside of that. Jesus has vision before he ascends back to the Father. He tells the 500 or so that are gathered there, go to the upper room and you're going to be endued with power from on high. Vision will guide you when you don't know where to do. Every area of Jesus' life, every major event, the death of John, his death on the cross, his ascension into heaven, every way he's leading his disciples with vision, everybody. It'll motivate you. It'll put you forward. It'll give purpose in the middle of your pain. It'll guide you in your life. God has a vision for your life, a great adventure in your life. I know that you know that. I know I've been preaching that to you. But Proverbs 29 says, Where there is no vision, everything in your life begins to die. Your marriage dies. Your joy dies. Everything dies. you got to know where God is leading you. you got to know where you're going. Everybody shout amen to that. Somebody's sleeping beside you. Punch them right in the throat. you got to have vision for your life. I remember the story in 2004. It's almost the Winter Olympics. I love watching the Olympics on television. Anybody else like watching the Olympics? I'm not really into sports. I've already told you that until the Olympic season. I think it's just a great time. It's in Korea, and, and, and we're praying for just the peace of, of the Korean people and, and peace over that event. And the Winter Olympics are coming. I remember in 2004, it was the Summer Olympics, and a guy named Matthew Emmons was there, and he was going for the gold medal in the 15-meter three-position rifle fire. If you've never seen... It's super cool. It's the, it's the coolest thing, this rifle firing thing in, uh, in, in, in the Olympics. And the rifle doesn't look like a normal rifle. And he's got all this headgear on, all this stuff on. 
and, and, and so he's going for this gold medal in there, and, and you see the video. I think we have a picture of him. You see the video, and, and he, he, he shoots it. He, he aims down, and he shoots his gun, and he's like the favorite to win, and this is his face immediately after he fires his rifle. And he looks around, and he knows immediately there's something wrong. And then the camera captures his face right here. And it's, it's almost like instantaneously he realizes what happens. Listen, he, he has what's called a crossfire. He takes, he takes all of the, look at this, the, the aim and look at all this rifle. Look at, the, look at all the stuff. Look at how the, the scopes and there's everything in there. But he had aimed his rifle at his, right beside him to the right right here. He had aimed his rifle at this guy's target. And he hit it right in the bullseye. Like it, he, was, he was going to be the gold medalist. But he hit the wrong target. And he goes from first place to eighth place, just like that, from hitting the wrong target. Listen close. Write this down if you're taking notes. We're almost done. If you don't have a strong vision, you'll get a great shot on the wrong target. If you don't have a strong vision for your life, you'll look over your life and you'll go, man, I'm doing so good, but you're doing so good at the wrong thing. You'll get a great shot at the wrong target. You'll be successful and your family will be in shambles. You'll have money, but you won't have any joy. You'll have the ladder of success that you've climbed up, but you'll get to your, the end of your life at 65, 70 years old, retiring from a job and realize, I parked my ladder against the wrong wall. I didn't do the thing I was supposed to do. I, I, I got a great shot at the wrong target. But clear vision makes my life so much easier because the clearer the vision is, listen, the fewer options you have and the easier decisions are. Write that down. Henry, come play for him so they think I'm closing. The clearer the vision is, the fewer the options you have, the easier the decisions are. Don't you wish you, when you went to HEB, there was only two types of cereals, everybody, the healthy one and Lucky Charms. That's all I want. I don't want all of these options. And I have two babies that I take down the cereal aisle. And they want all of the cereals. Give me all the cereals. And I'm kind of like Seinfeld in that. We, are, you look in our pantry right now. There's about ten different cereals in there. We're just, it's, just, it's crazy. Half of them are stale. Half of them are old. I don't know. Half of them we hadn't opened. Half of them are German. I've never bought. I don't even know what I'm doing. Because there's just too many decisions. But the clearer the vision you get in your life, listen, the fewer options you start having the easier the decisions become. When, when, when you get a vision for your marriage and your job and your finances, then it's easier to say, well, I don't, that, that's not even really an option anymore, so I don't have to make a decision about that because it doesn't fit into the vision God has for me. It doesn't fit into where God wants me. And some of you are saying, well, you don't know my marriage. You don't know my job. You don't know my history. You don't know my family. You don't know my neighborhood. You don't know where we come from. And I'm not talking about your present. Listen close. I'm not talking about where you are. Talking about where you could be. Talking about you having vision for your future. And if you get vision for your future, it will cause you to behave differently in your present. You'll start having fewer options and then the decisions just get easier because your present produces your future. But the vision of your life changes your present and it redirects your future. So if you keep going the way that you're going, you're just going to end up the way that your face is pointed to. But what would happen if at your starting point, today, on the last day of this series, your vision changed and you said, well, instead of walking this way, what if I just turned a little bit this way and I started walking 
this way. Well, then suddenly your destination completely changes. Your future's completely different. And all you did was, at your starting point, clarify my vision. Just God, tell me where to go. What's the big picture for your marriage, your family? What's the big picture in your life? What's the big picture? What, what do you have a dream for? What, what do you have revelation for? What has God shown you? I know over four weeks I've been trying to pull you out of the rut and comfort and awaken the adventure inside of you. But it really starts with this. And this is why I'm ending with this. What do you see? Because when you get clear vision, then the decisions to, to go right or left, man, they become fewer and and. and I don't have a lot of options. i got to go over there. This is where God's called me. This is what I'm supposed to do. When you don't have vision for your marriage, you'll end up in divorce every time. When you don't have vision for your financial freedom, you'll end up prosperous, but in bondage to debt. That's why you need to get in Financial Peace University. It's one of our groups launching this week. You need to join it. If you're in financial pressure right now, you need to get inside of a group. We have a group forming just for you. To help you get out of debt. If you don't have a vision for your health, listen, you can want a six-pack and you'll end up with a keg. Come on, somebody. Got to have vision. So I want you to ask God today as we end for sight. Elisha prayed it this way about his servant. He said, God, open his eyes that he may see. Open his eyes, Lord, so that he can see what I see. That's my prayer for you. Matter of fact, right where you're sitting, would you bow your heads and close your eyes? God, open their eyes that they could see. See the vision that you have for them. See what it is that you want for them. God, to break the bad patterns in their life. If they're not happy with the products, they're not happy with where they are, help them to see. God, I pray in this moment with no one moving, no one looking around, that you'd perform a miracle. Jesus, in the New Testament, you would reach out to blind eyes and you would lay your hands on them or put mud in their eyes or you would just speak the word and the blind would see. I pray in this moment you would do that to my spiritual eyes. You would open our eyes to see, to find the pattern, to come back to the designer and say, what, what do you have for me? What, what, what would you do in my life? What do you want in my marriage? And what do you want in my home? What do you want in my finances? What do you want out of my kids? What do you want out of me, my ministry, my calling, my purpose? I've asked everybody else their opinion, God. I should have come to you first. So here I am. God, I want you to open my eyes. If you're praying a prayer like that today, if you need God to give you direction today, nobody's looking around, but you say, man, I really need that kind of open in my eyes. I don't know which way to go. Pastor, I want you to include me in that final prayer. If that's you today and you need your eyes open, you need a miracle for God to show you, what's the adventure, what's the calling, what's the purpose of your life? Would you just raise your hands all over the room? Let me see it. I see your hands. I see your hands. I see your hands. Put them down. Stand up with whoever you came to church with. Now, Jesus, I pray. God, I pray for that kind of miracle. You saw every hand that was raised, dozens of hands across the room. God, I pray for this, this service to be the time they would point back to God. They would 
point back to this day and go, it was on that day when I didn't have direction. I didn't know what I was supposed to do with my life. I didn't know which way to go. But I surrendered it all to God. Now listen, with your eyes closed, if you've never given your heart to Jesus, it's the first step. you got to go back to the designer and say, God, what was that thing you laid out? God, the book that you wrote about my life, what was that? I'm going to come back to you. I've, I've tried relationships. I've tried chemicals and substance. I've, God, I've even resorted to asking friends and Facebook, what am I supposed to do? So here I am. God, I'm coming to you with my whole heart. If you've never prayed a prayer like this, why don't you pray, Lord Jesus. Come on, everybody out loud. Say, Lord Jesus, I give you my life, my whole life, everything about me. Search my heart. Search my mind. Forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of my patterns that led me to destructive products. Forgive me for living selfishly about me, for me. God, I give you all of that today. Come on, say it out loud. God, I give you all of that today, my past, my present, and I trust you with my future. In Jesus' name. Everybody shout a big amen.